Hello, and welcome to Perspectives, a podcast brought to you by international law firm Goodwin. I'm your host, David Hashmall, chairman of Goodwin. On Perspectives, we explore the world of law and business with some of its most interesting players. Today, our guest is David M. Stark, Executive Vice President and Chief Legal Officer of Teva Pharmaceuticals Industries, the world's largest generic drug company. With global headquarters in Israel, Teva employs tens of thousands of people and has operations in more than 60 countries across the globe. As Executive Vice President and Chief Legal Officer, David works extensively with Teva's board and executive committee to chart company strategy. He heads a global legal team of more than 200 that is widely respected and known for innovation. In addition to orchestrating legal wins and negotiating multi-billion dollar transactions, David keeps the team focused on revenue generation. Things like identifying new lines of business, new ways to do business, and quicker paths to launching products. David, welcome to Perspectives. We're excited you're here today. Thanks, David. Happy to be here. You've been at Teva for more than 15 years, working as an in-house counsel and rising through the ranks to become chief legal officer at one of the world's largest drug companies. Tell us a little bit more about your role. What does your job entail? So what my job entails is basically, uh, you know, touching on any of the legal issues that the company is dealing with across the globe. Uh, As you know, Teva is a global company, which you mentioned. So, you know, that takes a number of different forms. We have litigation, of course, contracts. We're not doing so much M&A these days as we did in our history, but, you know, historically that was an important part of what we do. Uh, we're a public company, of course, dual listed in Israel and the United States. That creates interesting legal questions around disclosure and, of course, uh, filings with regulators and other rules as a public company. And uh, patents is uh, a, a very important uh, part of, of what we do in the legal group. And then, as you mentioned, I'm also part of the Teva Executive Management, where we meet periodically and align on important issues that face the company, uh, and I have a role to play there as well. You've spoken publicly on the unique legal and regulatory issues faced by the generic pharmaceutical industry. Could you share with us a little bit more on what your thinking is on those issues? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, I, I think, you know, what's current right now is everybody knows who follows the industry is that, um, you know, some of the profits have been squeezed out of the generic players and the, the revenues and the profits have come down considerably, uh, in, in some cases, I think that's caught that that's given, uh, some of the companies pause about the traditional dynamic. Uh, what I and believe is that I think companies that lack the scale of Teva or the breadth are going to have um, more uh, increasingly difficult times competing in an environment like that. Prior to your time at Teva, you were in private practice for about eight years, I believe, having worked both in-house and as an outside counsel. What do you see as the biggest difference between those two positions? Hmm. Well, I think, you know, the biggest difference that I see, and of course, it's not just reaching back in my memory banks, but of course we deal with with many law firms and uh, one of the job duties is really understanding how law firms think because the spend is of course an important part of the role and the alignment with the firms. You know, I I think a company that's working well, uh, you have to take a a one company approach 
and really um, not work in silo, work together for the bottom line of the company. I, I think some firms, uh, you know, maybe have a similar approach, but still in my experience, and I think that was also my experience from back in the day, the law firm approach is very siloed. You know, people get an assignment and they go and they do it, and then, the, and then they go on to the next assignment. And there's not a lot of thought given to the big picture. Uh, it's a little bit harder in a law firm just because of the nature of the beast. But I, I would say that's really the main difference is working toward kind of a common, you know, profit goal at a company for the benefit of the shareholders. And I think the law firms need to move uh, more in that direction because, of course, as you know, the, uh, the law firms are moved, uh, understand that they're a business at the end of the day and uh, need to be thinking more like businesses. It sounds like you're thinking that the relationship between companies and their outside counsel has evolved over the last number of years. Is that right? And how do you think it's evolved? How has it changed? Well, I know that's a bit of a, a, a hot topic. You know, I, I think it's a bit overblown in a way. Uh, it, it was always the case that it's critically important for clients to have strong relationships with their outside firms. I think that's, of course, true today. Um, you know, uh, and uh, companies are a little bit more forward-thinking in terms of not wanting to uh, waste money and pay a little bit more attention to what they're doing with the outside firms. But I, I don't really see it being that different in the end. Uh, you know, some companies are doing better than others. They look harder at their bottom line. People are thinking about different ways of paying for their legal fees. Um, but at the end of the day, the way I see it, and maybe it's a little bit you know different from how others see it, it's basically, it's not that different. It, obviously, you want to have strong relationships with your outside firms, especially when you're dealing in a heavily regulated industry with issues that are potentially uh, meaningful to the companies. And, you know, people are trying to look at the bottom line and make sure that they're spending their money wisely. Uh, but, you know, and I wasn't a GC 40 years ago, but I'd like to think that the good ones were also thinking about that. One new development more recently is that law firms are hiring professionals to run the business side of their firms. Have you seen that? Does that translate to a net positive for you? No, you're right about that. That's an, that, that, that's an important point. Well, that's a, yeah, so as I mentioned, I think the companies are starting to think more like businesses and the hirings of, you know, professional CFOs and COOs um, is just really a manifestation of that. Uh, and in answer to your question, Definitely, I think that that's a, a, a value added for us. You know, we have somebody that speaks our language and understands our interests. And I think, you know, to the extent that we can find common ground uh, for our mutual benefit, um, having those kinds of folks at the law firms uh, really helps. Generally, could you identify just a few things that outside counsel could be doing better? You know, I'm not a big fan of uh, alternative billing arrangements. But I think the firms, if they think that that's something that's interesting, could, you know, do a little bit of a better job explaining, you know, what is possible around those alternative uh, billing arrangements. I know people like to talk about that. And so maybe they want to hear a little bit about it on, uh, you know, on this, uh, on this call. But, you know, that's something where I think the firms could do a little bit more education for the clients. Um, and I don't know, I guess the firm's, uh, the last thing I would say is, you know, we struggle a little bit with uh, the IT platform side of things. You know, we're making some investments there. I, I think the firms generally 
are are not as developed as you think as they should be. And I and, and I remember back to ten years ago when we were interviewing firms, and one of them came had some interesting IT platform that they used, and we ended up going with that firm. Uh, I, I haven't seen the firms do nearly enough in trying to sell their services with some kind of a, a of an advanced platform, which is interesting because the firm should be fairly well suited to to do that. But I think in addition to some of the companies, the firms are, are a bit in the dark ages there. I know you've spoken about the importance of diversity and inclusion, including the diversity of thought. Why do you think diversity of thought is so important to an organization such as Teva? Well, I think it's, it's particularly important for us because uh, I started at Teva in 2002, and many of my uh, colleagues in the legal group also started around that same time because that was just when the United States business of Teva was really starting to take off. Um, and, you know, many of us, well, not all of us, are around the same vintage, similar backgrounds. Uh, and then I think the danger is that you fall into a bit of a group thing, uh, you know, especially when, you know, same people have been doing the same thing more or less for a long time. So when, you know, I had my last most significant hire, I tried to go out and get somebody um, from a bit of a different background, I would say, just to just to round that out. I think that's important. So, um, you know, that that's really the main danger. I see that a little bit differently uh, from the diversity story. The diversity story is different. That has to do with, um, you know, something that you know more about than I do, David, and the benefits of, you know, hiring people from diverse backgrounds, from, you know, minorities, let's say, and, and you know that I have many women on my management, on my senior management team, and even a layer or two down. But I just think if you put the, the that aside, it's just really important to have people who think differently or have different styles because otherwise everyone's kind of sitting around the room agreeing with each other. And, and that's not a great dynamic. You need to really challenge the, the conventional wisdom. So, David, I really want to thank you for taking the time to be with us today. And I hope you'll come back and chat with us again. Be my pleasure, David. Thanks. 